Welcome to the Community Fellowship Podcast, your way to stay connected with biblically-themed messages, discussions, and interviews from Community Fellowship in East Bernard, Texas. Learn more about our church at the cfeb.church website, check us out on social media at CF East Bernard, or attend an in-person service at 635 Main Street in East Bernard. We are a local church that works to make the love of Christ for all humanity known to our community and the world. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy this week's content. Uh, well, several years ago, uh, a pastor was just enthralled by this couple who was celebrating their golden anniversary. And so he went up to the husband and he said, how, how did you do it? Like, how did you survive? How did you make it so long? This is just incredible. And the husband didn't skip a beat. And he said, you know, it all started with the honeymoon. He said, we had scheduled to do this uh, tour down the canyon on, on, on muleback. And I remember it like it was yesterday. We started out on our trip. We started going down on the mule. And it was clear that my wife's mule was being a little bit ornery during that trip. And so we get a little bit of ways, and it bucked, and it brayed, and it knocked her off. She stood beside it, and she looked at it, and she said, that's one. <laughs> she got back on it, and we kind of went a little bit further, and it did it again. It bucked and brayed her off, and she looked beside it, and she said, that's two. And we had made it a good while further when finally it did it one more time, and, and to my surprise, she got out a pistol, and she shot it. And I thought, what in the world? Who is this woman that I have married? What in the world? And so I looked at her and I said, what have you done? And she said, that's one. <laughs> now, we all know that that's not the way to keep a lasting marriage thriving. And that's, that's not the way to keep the romantic spark alive. We all know that. We all know that. But this morning, we're going to look at our romantic relationships primarily through the lens of God's Word to see what God would say in this area of our lives. And this is actually week three of a series that we've started called Submit Here, where we've been looking at different areas of our lives that are sometimes difficult for us to be obedient to God in. And so uh, the, as followers of Jesus, we know this, though that we don't just confess our belief and trust in what Jesus has done, as grateful as we are for that and what he has done for us in our salvation, reconciling us to God. But the truth is, we also recognize that his way is always going to be the best way for our lives. And nowhere do we see more clearly the character and will of God than communicated through Scripture. So God's word should always be our ultimate place, our ultimate source for truth and the direction of our lives. That's why we've been looking at each of these different topics, trying to develop a biblical theology toward each one of them. Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 7. And my hope for us this morning is that we'll be able to see how romance is really at the heart of God. And, and, and as a result, we're going to look at four ways that our love for our spouse should reflect God's heart for us in our marriages. Now, 
Here's what I want to do, especially with a bunch of students in the room as well. I, I recognize that there are several single people in here, okay? And when I say the word marriage, when I say the word romance, you may begin to check out. Please don't do that. Please don't check out, okay? Because I really believe that what we're going to talk about today is going to be really good for you in understanding how much God loves you, and then in return, the response that you're supposed to have towards God, okay? Now, before we go any further, I've got to kind of burst some bubbles, all right? Because in our Western culture, there is this idea um, that's been created for us. And, and unfortunately, as much as my, my children love this and even my wife loves this, Taylor Swift has kind of done a poor job of kind of creating this in us. And so does every romantic comedy that ever makes its way to the big screens. It's kind of created in us this idea that there is that one perfect person, right, for us that is supposed to basically complete us. And when we look at the scriptures, that's just not true. That's the opposite of what God says on his thoughts about love. And far too many times, far too many times, we've tried restlessly to find that one person hoping that they'll make us feel whole and complete. But here comes the bursting of the bubble. There is no individual on the face of this earth that is going to make you whole. Like the early church, Father Augustine said, our hearts are restless until they find rest in thee. You see, you were created for a relationship with God Almighty. You were created for a relationship with him, and he longs to have a relationship with you. And until you have that relationship with him, you will never feel satisfied. You know, truthfully, it's the reason that so many men leave their wives for another woman. And for women, it's why they feel unsatisfied and unfulfilled in their relationship with their husband. Because they're looking for their, to their spouse to fill something that only God can. Now, while our significant other doesn't fulfill us, learning about God's love will not only fulfill us, but it actually teaches us some stuff about how we're supposed to love our spouses. So let's look at 1 John together. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world, that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. All right, so the first thing that we need to see about God's own love for us is that he pursues us. Look back at verse 9 there in the text. This is how God showed his love among us, that he sent his one and only son, into the world. You see, God's love always pursues us. He's always wooing us to himself. He comes to us. He doesn't ask us to come to him. In his book, Basic Christianity, author and pastor John Stott says it this way. We can never anticipate him. He always makes the first move. He's always there in the beginning. Before we existed, God took action. Before we decided to look for God, God had already been looking for us. 
The Bible isn't about people trying to discover God, but about God reaching out to find us. My husbands, I got to ask you this question. What are you trying to discover about your wife right now? What are you trying to discover about her? How are you reaching out purposely to pursue her? It's so funny how this little thing, once it gets on the finger, it's like everything stops, right? I mean, just think about this. Before you were married and you were just dating, you pursued her like crazy, right? You would do anything just to spend a few more minutes with her or her with you. Uh, I left my purse in your car. I'm going to have to come get it, right? Or you as the man, you know what? My mom really wanted me to go by the grocery store uh, before I take you home. Is it all right if we go by the grocery store? You want to come with me? It's amazing how that changes once we get married. You left your purse in the car? You can get it in the morning. <laughs> right? Honey, will you go with me to the grocery store? Are you joking? It's the ALCS. The Astros are on right now. No, I'm not going to go with you. <laughs> See, our love for our spouse should reflect God's love for us. He doesn't stop pursuing us. And we should constantly be pursuing our spouse. Maybe you're asking the question, okay, how? Dude, I know like everything about her. How do I pursue her? How do I pursue him? Here's the quick answer. Pursue your spouse's interests or hobbies. The things that she loves to do, the things he loves to do, pursue those things. Do it with him. Learn to enjoy it with them. Several years ago uh, for our anniversary, Emily had booked a trip for us to go to St. Louis. Now, besides it being a nice little Midwestern town, it's got a lot to do, it is also home to the greatest baseball team of all time, St. Louis Cardinals. Oh, the boos are going on, the boos are going on. But here's the thing, when she booked that trip, we had all sorts of stuff planned, but she also was so good about making sure that we, we went to two games that week. Not only did we go to two games, but she also booked a private tour of the actual stadium where I got to go in there, I got to go into the locker rooms, and I got to wear the 2011 World Series ring. Now, all of you should say yay because you know who they beat then, didn't you? They beat the Rangers, all right? So you guys should all be saying if you're gay, if you're Astros fans there, all right? But that was amazing. She was pursuing me. She knew what I loved, and she pursued it alongside, as simple as I am. Now, this is a little aside. Uh, three of the ladies in my life that live in my home were actually born a year the World Series was won by the St. Louis Cardinals. I think that's pretty amazing. But here's the big kicker. Here's the big kicker. The day, the very day they won it in 1982, my bride was born. So maybe God does have someone perfect for us after all. <laughs> now, as a way to help you as couples in, in this particular aspect of pursuing one another, I've actually presented, I've printed out a, a resource that's going to be on this back table that you're more than welcome to grab. It's called a five-day challenge for married couples. And I would love for you to grab that, to take home, to read together, and to be able to, to start in pursuing one another if maybe you've gotten a little stagnant and a little dry, okay? Now, we mentioned this uh, in a message series in the book of Hebrews a few, few weeks ago, but, but God reveals himself to us in incredible ways, in several different ways. The first one was he reveals himself through general revelation, through creation. And then we talked about special revelation, how he reveals himself through the Bible, through God's word, right? But we also made this really clear point where we said that God most clearly and most evidently reveals himself 
through the person of Jesus himself. Now look back at the first part of verse 9 there in 1 John. Look at what he says. God shows his love to us in Jesus. See, Jesus is the ultimate revelation and complete picture of God. Jesus even says this. He says, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. If this, then this, this is God saying and giving us a picture that our love for our spouse should be intimate, should be intimate. Now, the word intimate actually comes from the Latin intimus, which means inner or inmost. So in Jesus, God has given us access into the inmost and inner heart of who God is. Also, he gives us access to give him our inner and inmost self. So we can give him our fears, our dreams, our hopes, our aspirations. He wants us to know him and for us to be known by him. Paul actually said it the best way. I love what he says in the book of Philippians. Now, this is the amplified translation, so it's a little bit longer than maybe your, your own translation. This is what he says. For my, that's Paul, determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and clearly. You see, our love for our spouse should reflect God's love as well in that it is intimate with one another. And I, I think there's three primary ways for us as husbands and wives that we are able to be intimate like this, okay? Spiritually, emotionally, and physically. So first, we should be spiritually intimate. That means that as you're growing in your faith, as you're learning what it means to follow Jesus and as you're falling under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and you recognize sin in your life, that you're sharing that with your spouse. I'm, I'm going to give you a couple of examples of how you can do this well. First of all, if you don't do this already, I really recommend that you do this. Take time to pray together. Pray together as a husband and wife. Another way that you can do this is you can just simply ask them, hey, what's God been teaching you? I, I want to know what God's been saying to you. What, is, what has he been saying to you and revealing to you through his word, all right? Or another one, maybe this is kind of my, my thing, is I love podcasts. And maybe it's as simple as this. Hey, what's something that you've been listening to in a podcast that's been challenging to you, that's kind of stretching the way that you think about God? Now, here's the thing. This is not going to become a habit overnight. So I'm, I'm not, it's like I'm not giving you a magic bullet that's automatically going to happen, right? But... Everything that is worth it takes time. So I encourage you to start putting some of those things into practice. Okay, so second, we should be emotionally intimate. Emotionally intimate. Several years ago, some friends uh, of ours shared a really valuable resource to us um, that's actually used a lot of times in counseling situations for couples. It's called SACHET. SACHET. And it just stands for this. It's a simple acronym. And it stands for SAD, ANGRY, SCARED, HAPPY, excited, and tender. And the idea is that sometime during your day, preferably at the end of the day, that you ask each other from those words, hey, choose one of those words for your day today. How are you feeling today? And you allow it to be a place where you can have a really good conversation and hear the heart of your spouse, how they're feeling emotionally. Now, um, sometimes this is going to be really good because you're able to recognize a fear that they have that keeps on coming up maybe day after day. And then I take the opportunity to pray over that fear for them. Pray over it with them. Or, or maybe they've just lost a friend, so they're sad. 
that's a perfect opportunity for you just to grieve with them. Even if you don't even know that friend, for you to spend some time just grieving with them. Okay? All right. The last way that I think that we can reflect God's love of intimacy is physical intimacy. Physical intimacy. See, God created sex to be an incredible gift to men and women in the covenant of marriage to build intimacy. And I need to stop here so that you hear me say this because scripture is absolutely clear about it. Marriage is the only place for physical intimacy because of the unity that it creates. In fact, the word in Genesis and repeated throughout the Old and the New Testament in this simple statement, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. That word one right there, it's the very same word used by the author of Deuteronomy to describe the Godhead, to describe the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that that kind of union, that kind of unity is the same kind of unity that we're supposed to have as husbands and wives. And the scripture very clearly in Genesis says that that is a physical unity as well. Okay, back to God's love for us. So our relationship with God is covenantal. We actually looked at this a few weeks ago, again, in our study in Hebrews, where we, we, we looked at uh, the new covenant and the promises that God makes in the new covenant. And here's the thing that we can be certain of. We can be certain that God is going to keep his promises towards us in the new covenant. That's because God's love is faithful. God's love is faithful. Look back at 1 John 4.10. There's a little phrase that I want you to catch in here. This is love, not that we loved God, but he loved us. Not that we loved God, but he loved us. God loves us when we don't love him. In fact, uh, Romans says it this way, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, while we were still opposed to God, still rejecting him, not wanting anything to do with him, Christ died for us. One of Emily and my favorite romantic comedies is the movie Fool's Rush In. It's got Matthew Perry and Salma Hayek. Um, and, and one of my, our favorite scenes that we quote quite often is, is this part where they've just recently had one of their very first fight as a married couple, right? And Matthew Perry's character is trying to go over and he's trying to kind of reconcile things. And Selma Hayek's character real quickly says, you're not my favorite person right now. <laughs> Anybody ever feel that way in your marriage? Yeah. I bet, right? I bet. You're like this. You're saying, you're not my favorite person right now. I cannot believe that you said that. I cannot believe that you did that. We all have those moments in our marriage. But here's the thing, our love should reflect God's faithful love towards us, even and especially in those moments. Not that we loved God, but he loved us. Now listen to this, not that your spouse loved you, but that you loved your spouse. So we have to choose to be faithful to the promises that we have made in our vows through the covenant of marriage. Your marriage is not conditional on how your spouse treats you. It's the conscious decision that you have 
to do good towards them. See, too many marriages fail because of their, they lose feeling for each other. Christian love, God's love, is not a feeling. It is not a feeling. It is a deliberate and conscious act of good towards another. And if we love our spouse with the same kind of love that God has shown towards us by keeping our promises, during those hard times, maybe the outside world, they would come knocking on our door to understand why in the world do you love like that when they've treated you that way. Now, I'm not saying this is going to be easy. It's not easy. We all know, we've all confessed it, we've all talked about it right here. It's hard. It's the opposite, right? It's going to be hard for us to love them the way that God has loved us. It's going to be hard to forgive them again and again and again. It's going to take some dying to what you want. Which leads us to our last point. God's love towards us is sacrificial. Look back at the first part, the last part, excuse me, of verse 10. And sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God had every right to judge us and walk away. Every right to judge us and walk away. But that's not what he does. Instead, he chooses to die. Instead of demanding for us to sacrifice, he becomes the sacrifice. How many times have you demanded that your spouse right their wrongs? Well, they did it. They should come back. How many times have you waited for this grand gesture or this grand apology? God didn't. God doesn't. Instead, the righteous one, the one whom the angels daily cry, holy, holy, holy gave up himself so that we could be made right with him. If we want a romance for the ages, we have to be sacrificial in our love to one another as well. We have to give of ourselves constantly. Now, here's the deal. I'm going to make a full confession to you, okay? Uh, this text that we look at from 1 John is not at all about marriage. It has nothing to do with married couples, okay? And that's why I said to the singles and to our, our young people in the room, this is a message for you as well because this passage wasn't written to couples. Because here's the thing, I, I have a feeling that some of you came in here this morning and you were saying, okay, he's gonna talk about romance, this is perfect, my husband, you're gonna get it, <laughs> right? Or, or some of you men, you walk in, he's like, you're like, all right, he's talking about physical intimacy today. Right? You just were hoping that that was going to be the thing. I want to tell you this. Those things that you came in here for in your marriage, they are seasons of your life. They will come and they will go. But if you want a marriage that will last, if you want passion and strength to be the thing that your marriage is built on, there is one thing that never fails. Love. God's love never fails. And that is what we are called to love our spouses with, is the love of God. 
I want to I want to close our message this morning praying over all you couples that you would have that kind of love towards one another. And for you singles, that you would display this kind of love towards God who has loved you with this kind of love that we've heard about today. That's what I want to pray over. So I'm, I'm going to invite Tim as I pray to come up and we'll kind of have a Q&A after that. But let me pray over us. Father God, this morning, we just want to confess to you that sometimes we take your love for granted, how you pursue us, how, how much you love us, God, that you forgive us, but you also you move closer towards us when we would want to push away. And so, Father, I pray for our married couples in this room this morning. God, that they would hear this message and they would recognize that it's not about what their spouse has done towards them, but it is about what you have done for them. And they would want to reach out. They would want to pursue. They would want to walk towards. They would want to love. They would want to be unconditional in the way that they've loved their spouse. God, for the singles in this room, that they would hear the way that you love them. God, they would recognize that there is no one individual that is going to complete them. And God, they would stop looking for that. Instead, they would rest in the truth that Jesus, you fulfill us. You complete us. You said so. You've come to give us a full life. Father, would you help us to turn our hearts towards Jesus and his love for us, the only love that will satisfy, so that we can be better people at loving others as well. We pray this all in Jesus' name. All right, James. Well, what you got for me? I can tell you haven't known me very long because if you had, you wouldn't have trusted me to come up here and do uh, the questions this uh, week on this topic. Uh, <laughs> did you like write down your own or something? Is that what? No. Okay. Have you? My, just quick, uh, uh, just curious. Uh, have you read the the Five Love Languages book? Absolutely, great well, book. What it, what is your what would you say are your love languages? My love language, I think Emily would probably say touch is one of my love languages. Me too. I'm not interested in being bilingual. <laughs> <laughs> touch, but I also would say words, words of affirmation. I am a big words guy. All right. So. All right. So our first question uh, for Pastor James this week is: Is it right for a Christian to date or marry a non-Christian? Mm. That's hard because that's. that's there's definitely like two little different questions there, I would say, in that, right? To date or to marry. Now, Scripture is pretty clear that we need to be equally yoked. You've probably heard that terminology before. Um, maybe you don't understand the, the illustration there, but at that time, especially for agriculture society, they would have two oxen, they would have one young oxen, and they would have an older oxen, and they would yoke them together, so that way the younger one could be trained by the older one, right? So to be unequally yoked meant that one wasn't in good partnership with the other, right? Um, and so that's the truth, is that if you're a Christian, you have a set of values and beliefs that are different than someone who is a non-Christian. So I think even in dating, it's going to be difficult because you're going to find yourself having a different place of values, and you're probably going to have to essentially um, say of your own values, I either have to not value that anymore, I have to kind of give in, to what they're pressuring me to say is important. And I think that's a dangerous place. But I think especially for marriage, I think there's too many times where, again, because of that Western idea of someone completing us, we do that, and then we realize how devastating that is towards the marriage. Um, so I would say, if you are a Christian, that you need to make sure you find a Christian. And I, 
you know, I don't even want to say it just that way. Like, you need to understand what they really believe in the relationship they have with Jesus. Can I just say it that way? Like, make sure that they, not just that they confess, oh, yes, I, of course I go to church and I'm a believer. No, no, there's a huge difference between somebody who confesses that and someone who actually lives that way. Um, so make sure there's fruit and evidence of them being a believer in Jesus Christ. So I would say I'd be very careful. I would tread very lightly on marrying or dating someone that does not believe, especially if you are a believer. All right. Next question is, what does the Bible say about sex before marriage uh, or premarital sex? Sure. Okay, so this is a, a fun one and a tough one at the same time because the Old Testament never talks, it actually never uses this word fornication. I'm sure you've heard that word, right? Fornication and adultery. Um, the Old Testament never uses the word fornication. The New Testament uses it prevalently. In fact, it uses it more than adultery. Um, but the Old Testament, of course, we have this understanding of one man, one woman for life, the covenant of marriage, and then we have the commandment, do not commit adultery. So any sex before, during marriage is outside of that context of the marriage covenant. And I would say that that is sin. That is sin. New Testament's even more clear, and we are new covenant people, right? The New Testament says it very clearly that sex before marriage is sin. And Paul, over and over again, he addresses this in his letters. It is not good. And the reason is, again, like I said earlier, is because this physical intimacy is to bond people together. This is why I, I really believe this is why so many people who have had an intimate relationship before marriage and they get into marriage, they have some difficulty in the beginning because they've brought in some of this emotional and physical trauma into their marriage. And, and it literally takes, a lot of times it takes counseling to get through it so that they can actually be able to work together as a married couple. Um, so sex before marriage is always, always going to be... Now, with that said, it is not irredeemable. Please hear me say that. If you have already had sex outside of marriage, it is not irredeemable. Our God can do the impossible. So just know that that is your case. God for can forgive you, and God can make your marriage whole and strong because of it. All right. And our last question is, is it wrong for a couple to live together before they are married? Mm. Yeah, this is a hard one, right? Um, so here's the thing. Actually, it's funny. Um, I, I've kind of done some research on this before, and I've, it's interesting to see people's answers. So everyone says, of course, if there is a sexual relationship happening, then that is, yes, it's sinful. They, sh they should not be having sex. But there's also some um, conversations that are about, well, if, if this is like a thing where they're, it's, a, it's a, a man and a woman in the same house, but they're not a couple, they're not having a sexual relationship, then no, then it's not wrong. So it's hard because if we said, oh, well, you know, two friends, I can't even, Johnny and, you know, Susie or whatever, they're just friends and they live together. A lot of times we as Christians would be like, oh, that's so wrong, a guy and a girl together kind of thing. But here's the thing, if there's not a sexual relationship, those are just friends. Hopefully there's healthy boundaries. I would imagine there's healthy boundaries. That, I would say that's not sin, okay? It may not be the wisest choice, but I wouldn't say that it's sin. Now, if they are living together, having a sexual relationship, and that's what most of the time in our culture we mean when we say living together, right? Then I would say, yes, that's sin. All right. Well, that wraps up our questions for this week. Do you want to remind everyone about how they can submit questions? Absolutely. So the QR code, obviously, on the screen. You're more than welcome to do that. There's a QR code out in the lobby. Um, I can post it again online this week for you guys. Uh, next week, we're talking about family and parenting. 
Um, so if you have any questions about that, and we'll also try to create a little bit of time so we can get to do some catch-all, because there were some questions that did come in that were about work that I wasn't able to address that first week that have come in, and so I want to make sure that we have some time to address those. But please, if you have a question, again, I, I have no idea who sent them in. There's no names on them. There's no emails. So please, if you have a question about any of these topics, go ahead and send it in, and we'll cover it next week. All right. Awesome. Let me pray for us. Father God, we just thank you for this time today together. We just pray that we would just continue to, to find how we can follow you faithfully through your word and what your word says towards us. I pray that as we end our time together in worship, God, that you would hear our hearts, hear us say how much we love you and what you mean to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. If you have questions about this week's message or would like to start a conversation with someone about what it means to walk with Christ, please email pastor at cfeb.church. You can find earlier episodes of our podcast on our website at cfeb.church, where you can also give online to help support community fellowship in our mission to reflect and share Christ's love. We can also be found on many major distribution platforms like Apple Podcasts, where you can subscribe to stay connected. Thank you again for listening. Now go out and love one another like Jesus did.